tests, some tests that we continue to face in this thing of call to commission. They're simple things, but I'm going to give us just a few. I'm hoping this will save us so no more, no more people bombing out and falling away. And stay the course, friend. It's for the call of God, but also for the future God's given you, which means given us. Your inheritance, my inheritance. Don't bomb out. You should be praying, I don't bomb out. I pray you don't bomb out. Because together we got this great inheritance called by God to reach people. So some tests we will continue to face. Number one, simple, the focus test. <laughs> How many of you heard of that? See, I said this the other day. The devil desires to destroy you, but he hasn't got the power to destroy you. So how does he destroy us? By distracting us. And I think many people lose their way because they lose their focus. Many people from calling, this is taking too long. This is just not happening like God said. And God didn't say how. He just called him to be king and then sent him back to be the shepherd. So we have come to equip like this and God's spoken clearly and now we're going to go from here. And we must trust for God to speed things up. But stay focused on the things he's called you to. Because so many people lose their way. I've got a friend, I mean, only one friend, I've got a few friends, I think, who lost his way in God. He grew up in ministry, his parents were in ministry with my parents, and we grew up together. He walked away from God, and he was taking some students from a school to Israel and to Palestine and to the whole region there, and he was telling the guys the story. It wasn't a Christian school, but he had students there, and they were standing looking across the Jordan, Mount Nebo. They were standing there, and their students asked him, the teacher, he was the teacher, what happened here? And he said, well, this is where Moses stood and looked at the, the promised land, but God said to him, you will not inherit that. And he felt himself say, what an idiot. And as he said that, because I mean, apparently if you've been there, it's just there. It's not this, it's just here. God said, have a look, That's your, that was your inheritance, but you're not going to walk here. And he said, what an idiot. And then as he said that, it says he had an encounter what an edit you are. You had an inheritance and you've walked away from it. And it changed his life as he explained to those students that he actually has lost his way. There's a call of God and he lost his way. And maybe some of us need some mountain, Mount Nebo experiences, friend. We need them. Maybe this week's been some of that for us, but it's not a moment. It's something that must change us to stay focused on what God's called us to because the devil desires to distract us, take us out, and I'm begging of you as you beg of me, let's stay the course. Stay focused. Stay focused. Don't let these moments or even crazy moments out there distract you from what God's called you to. The commission comes, not hold on, be faithful in every season, God will make a way. Second test is the faithful test, not just focus, but faithful. Now, I know that many don't like to talk about faithfulness anymore, but the Bible does. And in actual fact, most of the teaching around the kingdom is faithfulness. And now, you know, yeah, we know. Same king, same Jesus called us to be faithful with what we have. So many times in Scripture, the illustrations are faithful with a little, I'll give you much. We all want much. We all said there's more. But the more can, you can't earn it, but you can lose it if you're not faithful with what you've already been given. And it's not what people see. It's what God sees. Who cares what people see? Don't try to impress your pastors and your leaders or your friends. Or just please 
Him. He sees it. He's the promoter. You don't have to look to people to promote you. God will not overlook you if you're faithful when no one's looking. David wasn't, hey, I've killed a bear and a lion. He just killed the bear and the lion. He probably didn't tell anyone, but it gave him courage to take on Goliath. This stuff David walked through, no one saw. It was him and God, but God saw him being faithful in it. Are you there? Are you faithful? Faithful in serving now rather than being served. David served people, served his brother, served the king even though he was the king. Why? Because it was in his heart to do that. God said, I can keep using you. I can keep using you and you can walk in what I have for you. Be submitted. I know we don't like that word. You know, Aussies are like, uh, mateship, yeah, but submission, no. I'm telling you, friend, if you're not submitted, you'll never have authority. God can't trust you with authority if you're not submitted, obviously, to Him and to others. It's part of the package. We all have to live there. I'm submitted. Even though I lead this thing, I'm submitted to Him and to people. I'm trying my best to live out what I'm saying to you because there's more for me in the commission God has. And I watch those who don't submit lose their way and fall out of the race. Surrendering to His timing is part of being faithful. David could have taken out Saul and become king. Everyone around him said, let's do it and you'll be the rightful king. And he said, not in my timing, it's God's timing. God promotes, not man. Maybe some of us, if I not get rid of that guy, if I got it, no, no, just let God do it, friend. You know, if you do it, you've got to keep doing it to keep it. The greatest thing is when God does it, you don't have to worry. You can sleep well at night because he gave it to you. You didn't go get it. It's the most liberating. That's the secure leaders and insecure leaders. If you're insecure, you always got to go and get it and fight for it. If he's given it to you, let him give it to you in his timing. His delays are not his denials. You've heard about that? And so because it's taking longer, 15 years for David, he could have begun to say, maybe God's denied me. No, no, it's God's timing when it was right. Thirdly, the faith test. And I nearly preached on faith tonight. I want to tell you, faith is something God's stirring in us again. You can be commissioned, you can be called, but we need faith. Faith not just to believe, faith to do. Faith is a verb. Faith is a doing word. Hebrews 11, go read Hebrews chapter 11. And it's all about by faith, by faith. These guys did radical things because They live by faith. And I want to just say to you tonight, it's by faith. We've got to keep living in faith, not despair, not just what we see. uh, Faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. But most of us live by sight, and that's why we fall out. That's why we don't walk in the commission. Live by faith. We need faith. How many of you know, in this season, we've got to step up. We've got to step out. We've got to step through. We've got to step in. And it's going to require faith to be activated as we respond to what God has for us. You know, in Hebrews 11, if you go read it, you'll see that all these guys who did these great things, they lived with purpose. There was purpose to everything they did, even if it didn't make sense. They carried purpose, and I think that's what gave them faith. They, they lived prophetically. They didn't live for the now, they lived for what was to come. They always were aware there's a future in mind and there's this prophetic utterance for what God's called us to. Friends, if we're going to live by faith, it's got to be, how's this going to affect the future? What's this going to look like? Rather than we're just going to do what's best for the now. 
Those who lived with, uh, all, they all lived with God's promise. Not what do I see, not what am I preach, what, what do I promise by God? We've got to come back to the promises of God. Feed yourself with the promises of God. But link the promises of God to God's purpose, not just to this promise that I'm running with. Some of us, if I can be very honest, maybe have taken the promises that are not really what God said, and we're blaming God for not seeing them fulfilled. Because the Bible wasn't written to us. We learned that in Bible college, in seminary. The Bible wasn't written to us. It was written to others, but it was written for us. And so we take every promise that was given to someone and say, that's mine. Actually, it's linked to the purposes of God, but it, was, it wasn't written to us. It was written for us. So make sure the promises you're holding on to are from God and what He said for what He called us to. clowns. <laughs> they all live with God's promise. You know what else they did? They all lived in partnership with God. Let me ask you honestly this evening, not just our partnership we have, which I'm grateful. Are you living like you're in partnership with God as individuals? Are you living like you're in partnership with God? In other words, you're doing what He's called you to do. You're working with Him. You've been led by Him. Friends, that's what it means to be a people of faith. Partner with God in everything you're involved in. They lived with the provision of God. Not what do we have, what did God say? <laughs> they lived as pioneers and foreigners. In Hebrews 11 verse 13, it says of them, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they were admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are living for a country of their own. Aliens and strangers. Are we living as, not weird, aliens and strangers? Or is this where we've settled this is our home? It's not our home. They lived with privilege, and they lived with price. And if you are a price-only person, you're a settler. If you're a privilege-only person, you don't live in reality, but you will pioneer and take ground. These guys saw the privilege of what they're doing. They didn't just highlight the price. That's what it means to partner with God. And I think David understood that through the stuff he was going through, that whatever he was facing it's a privilege, and I'm willing to pay a price regardless of what comes my way. Quickly, number four, the test, the future test. Future. You know, I, I, it's like a silly statement, but it's profound. What you believe about the future determines how you live in the present. And I've seen over this season people literally fall away. Stop walking in the cold because of the fear of the future. And I understand fear, guys. I understand this. But what you truly believe about the future determines how you live. And if you're a leader, how you lead in the present. The future is essential. David understood there was a future God had promised. And so he's going to live faithfully in the season he was in, knowing the future is going to be great in God. Another one is fight your battles and win. 
How many of you know there's a battle blazing and we're all called to fight a battle? We really are. And I just want to say, your battle's your battle. My battle's my battle. I can't fight it for you. You can't fight it for me. We can cheer each other on, but we need to win. Not just fight our battles. We've got to win our battles. You know, I, I, I love being together with people like this. But we've got to hear some testimonies. We need some marshmallows on the fire. And we're going to sit and talk about the trophies and the battles we've won, not just all the people we've lost. We really should. We've got to talk about it. David cut the head off uh, um, Goliath and he walked around with a head. You remember that? I mean, I'm not, like he, this was a trophy. I think mean, he put it in his tent, the head of Goliath. Why? This is a battle we won. How about some of that again in our Aussie togetherness? We're not cutting heads off, all right? I'm just, but serious, what about the, these testimonies we should be given? Yes, it's been heck on earth. But in saying that, what has God done? What are the breakthroughs? Let's talk about it cheers each other on. And when you see people doing really well and oh, they got great promotion, don't think they sucked up to someone to get that. You should be asking people who've been given promotion in God, what battles have they had to fight? What Goliaths have they had to slay? I talk to people who are old who've gone before, and I don't say, oh, whose butt did you kiss to get to where you are? Honestly, forgive me for being crude. We think they must have done something to someone to get that. How about what Goliaths have you slayed, sir? to get to where you are, because I want to learn and be encouraged to know what it is you've walked through. We need some of those testimonies. We need breakthrough in that, because it keeps us consistent in our calling so we can live in the commission God has. We need to be fruitful. Let's see the fruitful. Don't wait for your commission to bear fruit. Live in your calling now, not one day when I'm recognized. I mean, God made David fruitful wherever he was. That's why God could keep promoting David into the commission, because David was fruitful and served faithfully. But so many people, maybe waiting until I'm recognized, I can't really go bear fruit. You were called to bear fruit because of your relationship with Jesus. Fruitfulness is necessary in any season, wherever you're at. Again, guys, God promotes, not man. No man will promote. God promotes. So go and be fruitful. Don't wait to be commissioned. This one you're not going to like, but be fathered. Just because I'm on the Fs. Be fathered. Oh, yeah, Tyron, you said the other day about fathers. We don't need them. No, no, but we need people speaking into our lives. We really do. Like, you and the Lord is not enough, with all due respect. It's not enough. You will not walk in your court, your, the commission if you're not having people speak into your life. And careful who you get to speak into your life. But in your carefulness, make sure someone is. And I'm telling you, friends, I've got people around me, and I've had people around me that have literally spoken radical stuff, like not nice stuff, bad, like save my ministry stuff. Because I had people around me. I mean, I've told the story, and it's like it's embarrassing, but I have to. Are you teachable? Are you asking questions? Do you allow people to talk to you? And, you know, when I first came into ministry, I mean, again, I was born in the church, but it doesn't make me a believer. I didn't want ministry ever. I was not interested. But when I kind of came to Christ, like really, and turned it all around by the grace of God and found Him, man, God, God began to open doors for me, and it was amazing. And I, 
And I, like, I just took the opportunity and I ministered and I preached. And honestly, God was doing stuff. And I was young and I was getting invited to go and preach. And God was backing my preaching and signs. It was just wow. And, and to be honest, I began to think, gee, this is, look at me. I mean, from who I was to suddenly now, oh, look at me. It's hard to even believe you can think like that. I remember, I've told this story. I was preaching in a meeting and my mother came to listen. My mother, my sweet mother. Thank the Lord my dad didn't, but my mother came. And she sat near the back and she was listening and listened. Man, I preached. My humble opinion wasn't very humble. It was an awesome preach. It was awesome. And people responded. People were getting touched. People were, Holy Spirit was doing his thing. People were falling over. I mean, it was like, this is great. And I, I was like, gee, I'm sure my mother must be, wow, this is great. Well done, son. After the meeting, my mother came up with tears in her eyes, and she came up to the front of her. You know, you know vulnerable? If you ever preach, you're pretty vulnerable, especially if you're not just preaching thoughts, preaching out of your heart. From what you, it, it, It's a battle. So I was like, oh, she's going to obviously. But she came with tears. I was like, gee, the Holy Spirit must have ministered to her. <laughs> I mean it. I thought, gee, Lord, her too, huh? And she walked up to me and she said, Tyron, I'm afraid that you've become arrogant in the pulpit. And she literally talked, walked, turned around and walked out. I mean, I, <coughs> it wasn't my back, it was right here. <coughs> and I was so angry. I was angry at her. How can you say that? Did you not see what God did? And did you not see what all the response and the results and... But I knew when she said that, she was right. And no one told me that except my mother. And I went home that night. I got on my knees and I wept for hours. I repented to the Lord. I said, Lord, I, if you want to take this from me, take it. But I do never want to take any glory. And I'm telling you, that was nearly 28 years ago. I promise you, I remember that most times I preached, not in fear, but in a reminder, you're nothing, he's everything. I believe my mother saved my ministry that day. She dared speak in. I don't go looking to speak bad, but I'm telling you, friends, no, I'm serious, because some of you, oh, that's my job. I'm going to go tell everyone. <laughs> it's not your job. You're not the Holy Spirit, okay? It's not your job. We don't need more police people in the church. We need the Spirit to tell us, but we need to be genuine and understand and receive that. And, and I don't believe I would be walking in the commission God has given me if I did not get that warning from my mother. Be teachable. I, I, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're old here today, and there was one or two hands that went up. <laughs> I'm telling you this. If you're not teachable because you're older, you're going to miss out the full commission. I mean, Leon and Pat and some of these old, I mean, they're old people. They are older, but they're still teachable. They, they take notes when we preach. Half the stuff we preach in, they taught us. Thank God when you're older, you forget all this stuff. <laughs> it's true. I've said to my, my dad's heard me preach, and he's like, gee, that was good, son. And I was like, yeah, it's from your manual. And he goes, it's still good. I didn't remember it, you know. So, but, but seriously... Please hear that. Don't, 
There's more for everyone here till Jesus comes back or you go to be with him. But you can cut off the more and the commission if you're not teaching them. If you're not willing to let people speak into your life and speak honestly and ask for it and look for it, it's God's way to save our lives and ministry. Young guys, get connected to people who will speak into your life. Not just your friends who tell you how awesome you are. People who will truly tell you what matters and think it will save your ministry, your life, and your commission. I think a lot of these guys who've fallen out is they would not allow people to speak. They have structures and systems in the church today. There's business model that no one can get to the main dude. I'm not having a go. Biblically, you've finished. I remember one of the biggest churches in America, one, the pastor there, now I've got to be careful, uh, who fell morally and fell for a bad situation. Not just for a, he fell, yeah, I don't, anyway, he fell badly. <laughs> and it crushed the church. And I remember the guy who took over, I met the guy who took over this mega church. And I asked him, how's it going there? He said, you know what's interesting is the guy who fell morally had 13 boards that he was accountable to. Yet he was still able to do whatever he wanted. Because you can have every board in place. If you don't truly submit and ask for input, you, you can have every structure right. Until, if your heart's not right, you're not willing to hear, you, can, you will fall out of the room. Please hear that, friends. None of us are above this. We should learn from what's happened around the world and say, Lord, I want people around me who can speak, who care, who will father me, mother me, not in being their sons and daughters, but speak straight and honest to give me the future God has. I love my sons, but I'm not their friend. I'm their father. And I love hanging out with my boys, and they're getting older now, but I still will not just play the game and be buddy-buddy. I want to speak life to them because of their future. And we need that around us, every one of us in this room. Be humble. Ask questions. Be teachable. Number eight, be a follower. I do want to say we've got to be great followers if we're going to make good leaders. I don't hear a lot on following, except obviously following Jesus has become a thing now, but we need more books on followers. We all want to be leaders, but no one wants to follow. How many of you know if you can't follow, you'll never lead? You can't lead if you don't follow. And David was a follower. He followed and became a great leader because he was willing. Elijah to Elisha, you know the story. It says of Elisha, Elijah, Elisha, that when Elijah called Elisha, he sold everything and burnt everything. and He didn't have a backup plan. He went. But he went and he followed Saul, uh, Elijah. He didn't say, I'm the next guy. Move over. It's my time. He went and became his attendant and he followed. I do think we will be great leaders who will walk in our commission if we know how to follow, not just know how to lead. You know, too often we release people because they're bad followers. It's like, you need to go plant a church because you don't know how to follow. I mean, doesn't that sound great? It's like, I can't lead you, so just go lead. And you know what you're going to do out there? If you can't follow, you're going to destroy God's people out there. It's, it's not a sign you should go lead if you don't know how to follow. It's a sign you're not called to lead God's people because you're not trustworthy of being a follower. 
Maybe they're landing. The flexibility test. Just going to throw it out there. The test of flexibility. Nothing went according to David's plan. I tell you what, friends, if you've planned it all out, you're in trouble to not walk in the commission of God. If you believe you've worked it all out and God's told you everything on how it's all going to look, you're wrong. And if you're not willing to be wrong, you're not flexible. And if you're not flexible, you're going to begin to deny the call of God and eventually disgruntled and burnt out and living some other dream and settled for what was rather than what it is God has. And people all over Australia that I know have gone there, and I think it's because they were not flexible. Because God changes things. God does it His way. And I look back on my life, I'm telling you, the things He promised me look very different to how I believed they were going to be. And I'm so grateful that I didn't get stuck on the how. I just had to trust the Lord in you said. I think for some of us, just prophetically, that's where you're at. You want to quit because it hasn't happened. You don't quit. Don't hold on. Just trust the process. Trust God. I've got to land. The forgiving test. Put your hand up if you've never been hurt by anyone. Why? Because people hurt us. Leaders hurt us. Everyone hurts us. And I'm not trying to be, woe is me, but if you're not willing to forgive, you'll never walk in the commission. People are not out to hurt you, but they will hurt you. And people disappoint you. And I watch people who are always hurt and disappointed, and they've settled. They no longer even have faith for a future. They don't even believe they have a future because they cannot forgive people. Jesus taught us about forgiveness and how to forgive in Matthew 18, and he lays it out. Your brother sins against you, go to your brother, and it's this great picture of forgiveness. But then he goes on, and his disciples finally say, you mean we got to forgive up to seven times? I mean, that's a lot, right? Once is enough, seven times. And Jesus looked at him and was like, oh. 70 times seven or 77, whatever the number is. But what, what he wasn't saying count, that's once, that's twice, that's three. Just keep forgiving everyone all the time. You see, if you're not willing to forgive, they carry on. You're the one who gets shipwrecked. And I, I watch people, oh, I'm mad at them. Well, get over it. Get on with it. Why? They're running their race and you're sitting behind waiting for them. And you're drinking poison and waiting for them to die. You're dying. Come back to say, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to trust I'm telling you, friends, if you are serious about this commission, this is one of the big ones. Are you willing to forgive everyone all the time? Keep forgiving. Almost forgive people before they ask for forgiveness. Just walk around forgiving. There's leaders that have hurt some of you. That's why you maybe came here or moved here. And, but forgive because other leaders are going to end up hurting you because faith in leaders will always hurt. And not everyone's out to hurt everyone, but at the end of the day, we're going to have to just learn to forgive. So can you forgive everyone every time? Now, I don't want to dishonor people. Some of my best friends, some of my fathers in the faith have hurt me bad. They've turned on me. They've turned against me. They've built things away from me. They've tried to, and I'm not trying to be woe is me. I, I'm being hurt a bit. But I'm telling you, if I allowed that to destroy, I couldn't have walked in that. I'm not, I'm not there. There's more. 
There's been many days I'm just, I can't do this anymore. And Lord, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. It's not personal. Don't take anything personal. We all have a reason to stop, but God's called us to carry on, to walk in the commission that He has for us. The financial test. I love the emphasis on marketplace. I love the emphasis on business. I'm going to just tell you this. It's for the kingdom, not so you can have money. C.S. Lewis said, Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it is finding its place in him. So many of us, have this incredible call, and then we have some success in some other call, and then we begin to pursue success. No longer the call and the commission. Business people, can I just step on your toes for a moment? The amount of business people we've stood with and prayed, Lord, please. And they've said to me, Tyron, if we just get the breakthrough, we're going to fund the kingdom, we're going to funnel money to around the world for church planning, we're going to buy buildings, and we're going to... And I'm like, that's awesome. So we stand, we pray, we fast. We stand, we pray, we fast. And then they get their breakthrough and they gone. We never see them again. Why? The blessing has become the curse. And I'm not trying to point fingers and say you shouldn't have money. God, if God blesses you, then fill your pockets. But he didn't bless you to fill your pockets. He blessed you to release the resources for the kingdom of God to be fulfilled. Are you, are you okay? Are you with me? You cannot confess that there is a world, the world is not your home, yet fear giving up the keys to your house. And the last point is free to be you. Isn't it amazing how Saul wanted David to wear his armor? The only way you can beat that guy is you put on my armor. And so he tries. <laughs> he knew, I can't wear this too big. I was going to, and I want to just say, you will never walk in your commission if you're putting on someone's armor. And so this is a twofold. Those of us who are helping people come through, make sure you don't put your armor on them. And those of you who are walking in the mall, don't start putting people's armor on you. We need people to be free to be who God's called them to be. Pastors and leaders, don't be what others want you to be or what your people want you to be or even what the church culture or what we tell you to be. You be who God's called you to be and you do what God's called you to do. Otherwise, you'll never walk in the full commission. And those of you who are coming through, we're going to give you great advice, I trust in it, but don't try and be someone you're not. Just be you. Some things we can do about our future. Most of it is in the hands of God, but there are some things. And there's some great illustrations in Scripture of those who did it and others who haven't. I just feel like for us prophetically going forward, there's a whole lot more that God has for all of us. Even coming out of this crazy season. But this I want to say, it's not only in God's hands. It's also in our hands to how we respond.